Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. So I, I have this feeling that I may be walking into a trap with today's topic, but i um, going to venture in anyway and appreciate you being along for the adventure. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jim Mitchell uh, with another edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. Now, over the last four years, uh, as I've hosted this podcast, we've shared information that hopefully makes you more informed about legal topics, and that's what we try to do. But then again, uh, we do need to be careful uh, so that we don't provide so much information that you feel ready to charge off and handle legal issues on your own. Uh, Now, here to help me stay out of trouble today is attorney Heather Walzer of Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, Heather always provides a clear view of the topic at hand, and and today we're going to talk about estate plans as we have done in the past, Uh, but we're going to take a little different view of it. So let's, let's get to that. Heather, it's been a while since you and I have talked, so it's nice to have you with me. Thanks for taking some time today. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Thanks as always for having me. Yeah, no. So here, here's my fear. Um, you know, I hope we haven't created a monster. Our, my conversations with you are always filled with with great information, and now that the internet and infomercials and radio spots and everything else keep telling people they can save big money by doing their own legal work, and I, I hope we haven't created a legion of pseudo lawyers out there who who think that they can because we've informed them so well. Um, one of the key instruments that people keep hearing about, you hear about in all the media, is, oh, just do your own will. So where do we begin in describing what a bad idea that might be? Yeah, well, it's it's a good point. And, you know, you're right. We've spent a lot of time trying to educate and, and make this as clear as possible. But absolutely, we don't want to um, push push people over to the edge of thinking, well, I know enough to, to do this myself, when in reality, you kind of just know enough to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> so really, you know, the issue with these, you, you see them everywhere. You know, you see ads uh, on TV, you see, you know, just software you can download, software you can buy at the office of Supply store. Um, the problem with with those with those um, those types of mechanisms for setting up estate plan documents is uh, there are several. I mean, the the first and kind of easiest one that we can knock out right away is the fact that even just a small tiny mistake that you might make in in utilizing that software can be really kind of devastating. Um, For example, just here in Illinois, um, one of the requirements of a will being valid is that it's got to be properly witnessed um, by competent witnesses who attest to certain things about your capacity and about the way in which you've signed the document. Something as simple as using an improper witness or not having the proper clause uh, as to what the witness is attesting to can be devastating. It can basically invalidate your entire will. Um, and what would happen then is that your property would pass to your heirs um, just as it would have had you not done anything at all. Um, and this, again, you know, some people may say, well, what's what's the big deal, you know, if, if it's, it's not going to hurt me? Well, it absolutely could hurt you. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen we've seen cases where people have a very specific idea in mind of what they want to happen, and if that becomes invalidated um, by something as simple as a small mistake in the signing and the witnessing process, 
um, the the estate plan wishes that you had will not be fulfilled. Um, and what happens in that case, if you were to prepare a will and then have it be invalid for any host of number of reasons, um, what would happen then is that the state's plan, which I've t- you and I have talked about before, the state's plan for for the disposition of your assets, which is called intestacy, would apply. And for many people, intestacy is just not going to be the right result. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the process a little bit because I, I think you know people may miss this and and correct me if I'm wrong, but regardless of how you do a will, whether you do it yourself or you go through a, a professional like like you to do it for you, when someone dies, uh, the, the spouse or surviving family members don't just pull that will out of a drawer and go, okay, let's see what we have to do. There's a court process that follows. And as you say, if, if, if it doesn't meet the standards of the court, then you really don't have anything to go by. Absolutely right. So Absolutely when, when right. The court, yeah, and the courts, when they look at I mean, they do this every day, and not to say that they're not lenient, but as you say, any number of errors or inconsistencies can can throw that out. And in addition to just, you know, the witnessing, I, I assume there's other things in that standard format that the courts are looking for that, that could cause you problems. What else might happen there? Yeah, well, absolutely right. I mean, it, the the biggest issue is if you have um, a document that is problematic from just purely a, um, a, a signing standpoint, a witnessing standpoint, mm-hmm. or more broadly from a question of whether you, you know, properly knew what you were doing, um, not only is there a possibility that the document may be invalid, but you've opened the door for potential contests. So if, if there's someone, some, some potential heir of yours who feels that they should be receiving more than maybe what you provided in the will that you drafted yourself, um, you're really opening the door for them to come in and, and cause a problem and challenge whatever it is that you've done. And, you know, the issue with that is you're not going to be the one who suffers, but your family will. Um, it, it, it's, it can just be an ongoing, stressful, terrible process. If someone comes in and contests, you're talking about, you know, a, a protracted court proceeding, which is expensive, it's stressful, and most importantly, it's going to tie up the assets that maybe your family members need, you know, particularly mm-hmm. if you have a surviving spouse who, you know, is going to rely on that money to live, or maybe you have younger children who still need assistance you know maybe their their college hasn't been paid for or maybe they're even younger and they they really need access to that money so it it can just lead to a lot of really unintended um bad consequences that would be problematic for your family for sure yeah and t- and, sure. and tell me about what the family consequences are because you know you you mentioned someone contesting the will and that that isn't necessarily going to be the you know long lost uncle from Idaho that suddenly surfaces if if your will is is not in good shape and the state says all right everything gets divided up between the heirs i mean you've i'm sure seen it between spouse and multiple children unfortunately not everybody always agrees as to what each of them should get within the immediate family right yeah that's absolutely right and one of the issues with intestacy that can be problematic is that the in the, in the case that you've raised for example if there's let's say someone passes away and they leave a spouse and they leave minor children, most people would say that their goal would be for their assets on death to go to the spouse. And with the, you know, the the goal of the spouse would take care of him or herself and would also take care of the minor children. 
Intestacy doesn't work that way. Intestacy says that if there are minor children in the deceased person's household, the minor children children would have a right to one half of the assets. So basically, one half of the assets under intestacy would go to the surviving spouse. The other half would be split equally among the children. Um, and that's not usually what most people would want. And and mm-hmm. logically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, thinking about the fact that if if the the size of the estate is split half to the spouse, half to the children, as soon as the, a child hits age 18, he or she can say, "Okay, I'll take my piece of the half now," and they can go out and spend it in any way that they want. So, really, just not. Not the best result, um, yeah. even if you have and, – and then we can even take it a step further because sometimes I have clients who say to me, oh, my children would do the right thing and, you know, my, my wife, they would take care of my wife or my husband. They, they, it wouldn't be a problem. However, there can be tax consequences. Even if the child were to say, oh, hey, you know, I know I'm entitled to this half of the estate, but I'm going to give it back to my mom or dad and let them use it, there would be gift tax consequences for that type of decision. So – even in the case, because sometimes I have clients who say to me, oh, my family will do the right thing. That's absolutely probably true in most cases when you have families that are you know, functional and, and with no problems. Um, but from a tax perspective, even if your family members do the quote-unquote right thing, it can be a negative tax result. Yeah, a lot of different issues. Um, as I said at the beginning, we're, we're kind of taking a look at some of the um, do-it-yourself options and, and why they might not be a good idea in uh, estate planning. And we're talking to uh, Heather Walzer of Lavelle Law. Uh, if you want to hear more from Heather, you can check out some recent articles on LavelleLaw.com. Uh, watch her video on estate planning on that same website and, and also follow her for more frequent updates on Twitter at H.D. Walzer. Um, you'll find a lot of information on the estate planning practice group at that website, uh, LavelleLaw.com. But, but, Heather, I assume that if someone goes to your website, uh, the one thing they will not find would be any do-it-yourself forms. If uh, the, the preference is to, to get a phone call. If someone calls you with this issue and says, look, I just need a, a simple plan. I don't want to spend a lot of money. I just want to get these things taken care of. You know, Where do you start? What are you really trying to accomplish with them? Yeah, well, really, you know, what I try to really explain to people is that in working with an attorney, as you should, to get through your estate planning, um, at the end of the day, it's not the the set of documents that you're paying for. You know, people kind of say, well, I can just buy these form documents and fill them in. That's not what you're getting when you work with with a good estate planning attorney. You're getting their advice, and you're getting their you know, experience and legal opinion as to what is the best thing to do. Um, Sometimes, you know, clients will talk through things with me and say, look, I know exactly what I want. This is going to be easy. And then we kind of start to peel back the onion, and it's a little more complex than what they realized, and they didn't even – they didn't even know it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, certain certain assets need to be dealt with in a particular way. You know, sometimes they there are issues that they haven't even thought through. You know, maybe there's a, a child with a disability who's receiving some sort of government benefits, who, you know, whose benefits would be jeopardized if they were to receive an inheritance. So even even when people tell me, oh, this is very straightforward, I know exactly what I want it's still worthwhile to just talk through everything and make absolutely certain there's nothing that's being overlooked. Because, you know, I and my colleagues who work in this area, we've seen it. We've seen the issues that arise. And, you know, while things may seem straightforward and simple, 
because we've seen when they're not, we know how to identify the things that you need to handle just to prevent the problems in the future. Yeah, and and we talk we've talked about, you know, what happens to someone's assets after they pass away. That's what a will does, but you can also guide them to the things that happen to them and their family if something unfortunate occurs to them that leaves them incapacitated, which is much more than what a will would cover. Correct. And that is a really big issue. You know, as much as it's it's my opinion that everybody should have a will and estate plan documents, possibly a trust in some cases, what's even more important is that they have powers of attorney in place. Um, the purpose of the power of attorney is not to provide for your family. You know, everyone everyone kind of comes into the estate planning process with the idea of, I need to make sure my family is taken care of when I die. And that's absolutely right. That's important. Mm-hmm. However, what some people don't think through is the fact that, well, I've got to make sure that I'm taken care of if something happens to me and I'm disabled. Because statistically, you're actually a lot more likely at certain ages in your life to become disabled, to have a medical illness, to get into an accident. Anything that makes it impossible or makes you unable to manage your own affairs. So you've got to have a plan and a strategy in place to cover that possibility. Um, And that's part of, you know, when you you download those, that will form off the Internet, fine, you've thought through what's going to happen if you die, but what you haven't dealt with at all is what's going to happen and who's going to manage your assets for your benefit if something happens to you. Um, frequently, the, the online software and the forms that you buy, they don't address that issue, which to me is equally important, if not more so, um, than preparing for what happens when you die. Well, and as always, when Heather's here, we we um, try and you know hit the heart of the matter, and I think we've done that. So, anyone who might be reaching for the uh, enter button on their on their uh, keyboard right now to download a form, perhaps you've taken a step back, and instead are going to visit LavelleLaw.com or give Heather a call at eight four seven seven zero five seven five 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 and have a good discussion about this. So, I certainly uh, thank Heather for being with me today. Thank you for listening, and look forward to having you back with us for another episode coming up shortly. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 